Welcome. Welcome back to the Heart of Wildwood Gardens. I'm Kayleen McCaw taking you on a trip into the mystic with a return of Joseph Shirk to talk about big stuff. But first, we light the cup of joy. Symbol of that one light that we're all reaching for that just turns on automatically when you get over your crap. May that cup of joy burn between us and be the lamp that goes before us and lights the way to the place we all want to end up. Filling the airwaves with the fragrance of clarity, of goodness, of peace, and Activating the memory that there is such a thing, and it is the thing that is in control of our situation, calling on the guidance systems of every participant, past, present, and future in this episode. May what needs to be said be said. May what needs to be heard be heard. And may it be an experience that is worth having for all. By golly. Bring it in, Joseph. Now, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello there. What big things are we going to talk about today? Holy Any cow. Ideas? Well, I tell you, we, we started last week when the universe was just not going to have it, saying all the things. I, I started by saying what I didn't want to talk about, and I realized that was some of what does need to be talked about. The fact that we have become a people who, who believe that we actually exist and live in social media. Yeah, so it matters yeah. to us. And, and after that, you know, whole kind of, I've had this epiphany. One of those, after you see it, it's like, oh my God, how could I not see that? I realized that I'm actually under no obligation to surround myself with people I don't know and don't like and share my innermost thoughts and give them a chance to beat me up for it. I can choose differently. <laughs> so first I, 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 I mean, they make it sound so extreme. I unfriended, I severed the connection between all the people whose names I didn't recognize, people who I would not invite to my home, who wouldn't come if I did. And there were very few left. And now, you know, we're having a nice conversation. And then yeah. I, I followed one of those links actually that you led me to. And I opened an account on um, minds.com, M-I-N-D-S.com which is basically the same thing, except, you know, it hasn't yet been taken over by psychotic pedophiles. And their whole selling point is that anybody can say whatever they want. And the cool thing is, it's, it's also hasn't yet been taken over by the AI algorithm, where you don't have to say, I want to hear from these people. You search by hashtags. And it's like, I want to see who's talking about this. So, you know, I hear from all kinds of people who would not be my friends on Facebook. I've already getting more interesting interaction and people actually looking at what I'm doing here in like three days than in the last three years on the F book. Yeah, I like that name. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's important to, to understand that we're not, none of us are obligated to spend so much time on social media, even though it seems to be normalized for that. It's a substitute for um, actual personal experience in many cases. I like Minds for the very same reasons you mentioned. I think the, the content on Minds is great. I actually uh, resisted getting involved in Twitter for a long time. Again, do I think it's a great platform? No. 
but it's the popular platform. It's where the battleground is. And in terms of getting good quality information and, and not so much noise, Twitter, you can do it. You learn how to find what you want. Yes, are people getting banned, but do I really, I don't I care about that, about people getting banned. But honestly, it's a lot of the hubbub, the many voices repeating over and over again what we're supposed to be believe or be afraid of. It's those massive um, accounts that are getting eliminated right now, including a lot of what we call the Q Pharisees. <laughs> yeah. And it's the people, the little guys now that are still standing. <laughs> so uh, the attempt to censorship actually turned into a, in my opinion, it turned into a kind of purification. <laughs> not what they intended. Not what they intended. Yeah, that's my favorite version of the story because, you know, we talk about the they, the big they, and our placeholder is the Illuminati, you know, the ones who think they know better. Right. And the, the global mysterious mom and dad who get to tell us what we get to do, whether we want to or not, darn it, and stink sometimes. If the intention on some level, you know, because everybody thinks they're the good guy, is to do what works best, because nobody really sets out to say, ah, I'm going to be a super villain, unless you're playing the role in which place, do it well, by golly, play that role. Uh, if the intention is to force us against our will to do things that are good for us, congratulations, well played, evil doers. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, yeah. Well, I think that there, there probably are meta, meta levels these actors are not aware of above their level. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of this, this uh, Bible verse that's been coming up for me a lot lately that says, um, Saint, Satan meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Right. Somewhere, somewhere in the New Testament. I, I, feel that, I, I feel that that's happening a lot without you know, putting religious veneer on it. I feel that there are some meta levels going on. I, I always say to people, you know, there are many, many layers to the onion. Yeah. There's always more. <laughs> And, you know, I've gone through different layers where I had to kind of reverse my position on things only to find out that it was just another smokescreen for another reversal to come. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of my fallback position because there's so many things you can get all hyped up and inflamed about. And I actually caught myself yesterday. Something pushed a well-established button in me and then it's like, wait a minute. Do I really want to be the one who spreads that feeling or do I want to... Because people share Twitter stuff. Technically, I'm on Twitter, but my, my electronic guardians won't let me sign in. And I've learned to take that as, a, I've learned to take that as divine intelligence and just say, okay, if that's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. At least you um, have read access. Right, exactly, which is, is maybe enough because that, that hole will suck you in pretty deep pretty fast. The only thing on my Twitter is basically bookmarks that I want to share with people, you know, yeah. just bookmarking things that people said that I thought were on point. The Twitterverse. I don't get involved in debates and wars, uh, flame wars on Twitter, and, and I'm, I'm actually done with all that in, on Facebook. I don't, um, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to prove myself right. I just want people to ask themselves why they think they know something. Right. <laughs> that's and all it really takes. I guess what I finally realized is that's just not going to happen on Facebook. I mean, uh, people who I truly do know and actually do like, who would come to my house if I asked them and I'd be glad when they showed up, you know, can get a little bristly out there in the F land. But then when you stop and think about it, 
you know, you can have the conversation face to face in reality, but there's just something about that little vortex that sucks you into the screen. And I realized last night when, you know, the little voices, it's like, okay, now be in the real world. It's like, oh yeah, it's pretty in my yard, isn't it? I have a nice house. I have a good life. That it's just like we're waking up inside the dream. It happens different what, than you think. What One of the problems with online interaction of any kind is that due to the fact that some 80 to 85% of communication is nonverbal, a lot is lost in translation when it's converted into text. So you have this low bandwidth expression that can be interpreted by different people in different ways based on how they're feeling and based on some of their beliefs. So that all the nuances of, of doubt or sarcasm or all the emotions, they're just kind of filtered out and left to wide open interpretation. And I think it leads to unnecessary misunderstandings and um, I don't see any way around that. I mean, that's why people like these video chats because you don't lose that. Yeah. So that's what I finally came to about after I purged my friends list from, I realized that maybe the only powerful move that I have left is something I've, I know that I've been saving for a while is I started, I guess it's a new video blog. I'm reading 1984. And then as I go around and I see posts or videos or whatnot that you know, resonate with me, uh, in the comments, I'll just leave the hyperlink to the playlist, which is on BitChute, because YouTube actually would not let me even upload an episode. The algorithm is so scared of me. They wouldn't even let me upload anything about 1984. It's like, no, it's already there. We don't need to hear about that. It's like, uh -huh, okay, so it is yeah. the right move, isn't it? <laughs> I love watching. I'm watching these control, these, um, these intellectual gatekeepers actually uh, self-destructing, shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of exciting to see. 1984 um, is something I read in uh, grade school in wow. the 70s. Yeah. And so it's like, um, I feel like it's in my blood, um, even though I couldn't quote it today. Mm -hmm. um, it's in my blood. And it was very formative to me in terms of resisting control, hyper control. Of course, I was indoctrinated on, on the standard American version of history regarding communism, the Soviet Union and all that. I literally grew up in the Cold War. Mm. And we are in a new kind of war now. That is, you could call it a cold war. It is actually an information war. It's, it's a psychological war. And uh, it's being fought with money. Yeah. Money is what drives it. It's going to be very interesting to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. What's your take on the role of artificial intelligence in all of this? Because it's something that just keeps coming up. And at first time, it's like, oh, I've got so much on my plate. That's just too terrifying. Go away. But we just can't get away from it that we have part of it's like this companion in every online interaction is this massive call it the algorithm, I don't know, the AI. People are actually starting to talk about AI and use the word where you would have used God. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're praying to AI for weather and I, it's like it's gotten extreme. It's a, it's a legitimate concern and it is something that is worthy of uh, demystifying. Fortunately, I have had a big interest in AIs for, for decades. 
and I pay attention to it and I know people that are professionals in it and I was involved in some professional capacity in machine translation. I come at AI from the approach of knowing what computers can do physically and knowing how they function and knowing about languages. And when I spend a lot of time as a linguist, as a translator and as a machine translator, which meant that I was writing the translation rules for a system like Google Translate, it's still in use today. We had a mainframe where I worked that we ran it on and we could translate hundreds of thousands of pages a week with um, a bunch of typists, you know, a bank of about 40 typists. And it did a fair enough job at making the subject uh, intelligible, certainly not human style writing, but intelligible. And because I was interested in that, and because I was interested in robotics and perception and cognition, I spent a lot of time, shall I say, voyaging into the, the mind uh, to understand the nature of it. And I came to firm conclusions that forced me to rule out very popular beliefs about AI. AI does not comprehend, AI does not value, it is a very statistical creature, very much like the way our brains work, the way we transform data from one type to another. It's a translation of the format of data, and it that includes um, patterns, patterns in language, for example. But um, the fear that AI is going to become self-conscious uh, is totally unwarranted, especially when nobody in the science knows what consciousness is, can even give it a definition, really. It's quite one of the major philosophical problems. Um, it won't be conscious. It probably will not be um, creative. It doesn't have imagination. It can find solutions to, to problems. And in that sense, it is properly thought of as a tool, not as a being. And it is a tool in the sense of being a force magnifier in terms of planning, logistics, analyzing, uh, monitoring. Um, solving logistical problems is something that we're not very good at, and it's very difficult. And um, a lot of uh, things that humanity needs to make the world a better place our logistical problems. What do we do with the money? Uh, what, how do we divide up resources? How do we best spend them? How, we, how do we prevent disasters of different kinds, just human-caused disasters? So, you know, if you're interested in the environment and the future of humanity and the quality of the earth, I believe AI is an important tool. However, in the wrong hands, it is still a force multiplier and it, it could be the equivalent of a nuclear psychological bomb. People think yeah. they, worry, they worry about AI taking over our infrastructure, for example, you know, getting control of the power plants or the water plants or the telecommunications. You don't have to give it control. All it has to do is deceive people into doing things. If it had the ability to understand us on a massive level 
that in a sense is a godlike power, but it is an, it is a power in the hands of somebody. That somebody can direct. Like right now, we're going through information warfare. When we there, there are intelligence agencies that have vast resources committed to monitoring and injecting uh, dialogue into the social network. Right. Let's, um, let's 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 pause there for a minute because that's kind of the whole the whole deal. And there are a whole lot of different ages agents, actors. Let's call them actors. Yeah. Um, actors and agencies using this amazing information tool amplifier it's a great thing to call it and they all have the agenda which is basically to mess with our heads uh -huh. uh, some yeah. of them might be trying to mess positively but nonetheless when you you get in there and you know you think you can micro fix uh people's thoughts well we've we're living inside the result yeah. of that I mean, the technology exists and human weaknesses are very well understood by some people. Most of us are in complete denial and ignorance of our weaknesses, like how easily people are persuaded, how open we are to suggestion. Very much, you know, if you watch a hypnotist, it is amazing what a hypnotist can make people think they see. People really need to be less naive about that when we're getting constantly bombarded by messages, suggestions, you know, that mostly invoke fear or ridicule or hatred or mistrust. Mm -hmm. And this is an extremely powerful, extremely powerful weapon being used against us right now. And um, AI is part of it. And it doesn't need to be conscious, doesn't need to be super intelligent. It, it's it's a weapon being used by billionaires. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that, I mean, has come to my attention that there really is such a thing. Bot farms is mm -hmm. the word that, that has been used. And that, you know, when we talk about Russian interference in the election, you know, yeah. we make all kinds of assumptions about what that kind of thing is. Well, newsflash, they've been messing with our heads for a long time and they're really good at it. And it basically amounts to imaginary people who are AI phantoms pushing your mm -hmm. buttons on Facebook. Yep, yep, and on Twitter. Yeah. There are thousands and thousands of them on Twitter that their only purpose is to either dilute the uh, discourse with nonsense and noise or stir people up or I don't know. Yeah, that's an, important, that's an important one. Let's stop and ampl amplify that. Because, um, yeah, to stir up discord, that's part of it. Because if you divide the people, they're not going to stand up and say, oh, y'all assholes, go away. We can do better by ourselves. Um, but the other one is that when that does begin, a true grassroots movement, then this whole, like, bot farm, AI menace, foreign devil, whatever it is you want to call them, comes in and just says crazy bullshit in the name of whoever's trying to make sense and shows it to you. So you say, well, you know, all those people, they're nutballs. Look at that, when that mm -hmm. might never have been real. Stirring up people's emotions, causing division. This is so massively occurring 24-7 that it kind of, is a little saddening actually that so many people don't really notice that for what it is but you know um, i'm done with being mad at people for being so careless mm -hmm. um i I'm, i have a more grandfatherly uh viewpoint on people now where i feel that most of them will figure thing, thing, things out on their own just as i did in my own time in your own time 
and uh, actually have pity and compassion instead of getting triggered. Yeah. I get called all kinds of names that people mean to be hurtful, but it really doesn't bother me with when, by having an attitude like that. Mm -hmm. That's sort of been the gift to me of this whole uh, scrubbing time. You know, as, as people from my past have come forward to, you know, hurl all the darkest stuff from their unvented spleen at my ridiculous opinions to get to practice it so many times that I actually have landed in a place where it's like, wow, I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, what a gift. It's like, yeah, it, it just really means nothing to me. That's, that's pretty great. Which then begs the question, it's like, well, why am I sharing my opinions with people I don't care about? <laughs> yeah. I always felt, you know, when I look at different cultures that I've had contact with and try to assess objectively my own culture, the distinguishing feeling for me about being an American is the don't give a fuck attitude. Sticks and stones can break my bones. Um, Americans have always been very independent in that. And um, at least that's how it was when I was growing up. Yeah. And it's very apparent now after look, looking back a few decades, how that's evolved, how you know people have invested a lot in trying to eliminate that sense of intellectual independence. Mm -hmm. I believe that social media and mass media is presenting the picture that this is now the norm and the majority and um, that it's futile to resist it. But I actually believe that's part of the psych job. I think a lot of people have good common sense and um, they're maybe just not getting involved in, the, in that um, outcry on the internet, trying to resist it in that way. I think the great resistance is the people ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Probably the most powerful one, yeah, take back your mm -hmm. life. Which, I mean, that's, that's kind of the attack on the other front is that the most organic thing to do, especially in the height of summer, would be to gather with real human beings and, you know, throw a couple back and have a conversation about all this and realize that we agree on almost everything. But that's forbidden because it's just not safe to breathe the air and walk about the yeah. air. Yeah, uh, fear of cooties. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to watch what's going on with all that. It's watching how people are responding to it and dealing with I'm not really interested in um, confronting people in the supermarket, even though I think it's ridiculous. If someone confronts me, then I, I would say, hey, did you read the ordinance? Because I did. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you don't know what it says. So why are you talking to me about this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But on the other hand, I just want to get in there and get my shit and get out. And so I have a mask that says, let's pretend. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about getting one that said event 201 <laughs> nobody would get it unless they already got it <laughs> yeah yeah it would be fun to see those people giving you the nod <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, it's like, mm. yeah. everywhere you have people in that are that are undercover <laughs> yeah you're probably more likely to get attacked than I am because I'm I'm at the the place where I get a lot of cover by just being a nice old lady <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm not oh, getting mistaken. Yeah, you're getting sort, of, mistaken. sort of prime target, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, actually all of the wrong flavors and shades. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. 
It's it's funny. I um a guy I went to the Dollar Tree to pick up something. And you know, of course, the city of Sarasota is actually very, very small, where you're required to wear a mask when you can't social distance, unless you you can't wear one for some reason. Which, as far as I'm right. concerned, some reason is because it makes me feel like I'm dying, and that's a disability. So, no. well, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate loophole in the model ordinance is that you may be medically exempt, and you don't have to prove it to anybody that right. you're exempt. Right. Not to anybody. So nice people don't ask. But this guy, yeah. oh my gosh, he was, and you know, it's not like you don't know what he's doing. He's given me the, you know, it's like <laughs> the commu psychically communicating, I think you're evil. Do you feel it? And it's like, yeah, I feel it. And I'm sorry for you. Here's my dollar. <laughs> but that's the only time I've had anybody do anything weird to me. Mainly it's just, you know, like, commiserating eyes and we'll all be free from this someday. Uh, my most favorite escape nowadays is that uh, I often stop uh, on the stop somewhere on the way home from work and I've got a backpack and a motorcycle helmet. Mm -hmm. So I just go into the store like that. Who's going to say anything? They're going to say that's not a face covering. That's, that's, <laughs> my God. that's funny. That's funny. I look like a uh, Power Ranger when I walk into the store. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's just such a such an abundance of stuff going on. I mean, so many balls in the air. It's like it's all you can do to keep juggling, uh, you know, and taking that bite of the apple as it comes by. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> which conversation do you have with people? That's kind of why I just went back to it's like, look, we're just going to listen to George for a while because I I got nothing else. I got nothing. Yeah, if I can read, if I can step back into humor, then that that usually establishes common ground. And for people that have no humor whatsoever, well, I just whatever. I feel sorry for them. I'm not going to get. In, I'm not going to engage in that. Yeah, it's been very encouraging to me because um, my children are 23, and. Um, as far as I can tell, they're pretty much in the place they were when we stopped living together, when we were all going to vote for Bernie, except they didn't let us do it. And, right. you know, one of them has made it abundantly clear in a gentle way that we have different views. But the cool thing is, is that we've done what functional families do is just kind of look at each other like, oh, you know, and I can see you're disappointed, but you're not going to fight with me because that would be dumb. You know, and it's like, I, I look at you like I'm your mom and I can see things you don't and I love you and, you know, we'll, we'll all get by. That's the end of the conversation. And that's, that's, that's a good old social skill. When to just yeah. shut It up. should be that. It should be that. We have, we've actually, we've abandoned all courtesy online. Um, the worst habits, like just amazing, just making leaps leaps of assumptions about people you don't even know based on some one comment that they made and uh you know already classifying them like you don't do that in real life right yeah yeah in real life you would say wow what do you mean by that that's a surprise and then you'd find yeah. out yeah like you can just be called a nazi you know by people today i've been called a nazi several times in the last few weeks wow. not exactly sure why but um yeah, it, it maybe it's because uh, you know I said something that alluded to that maybe Trump is doing some good things, or not, that makes me a Nazi. 
Yeah, well, Nazi's just kind of the catch-all for some evil white guy. It's an excuse to not think. Yeah, an yeah. excuse to not listen. Which is, is so ironic because ultimately it's the Nazi methods of mind control that have made us incapable of conversation. Very Absolutely. All, all the, the mass mind manipulation, Tavistock and all that came straight out of Nazi Germany, went straight to Britain, and you know, here we are. So it's let's talk about that a little bit, because when I, when I ask people, you know, as one of my, since we're having the conversations, like, do you know about Operation Paperclip? Um, and the number of people who say no. But I mean, um, give, us a, give us a brief rundown of, of what happened at the end of World War II, why we're in the fix we're in. I would preface by saying that the war was arranged and it's for reasons that people are not aware of and it was not what we believed it was supposed to be the reason for it. Um, it was a, a power struggle and um, deals were made between the Soviet Union, uh, Germany, the United States, Basically, the deal was, you know, we're going to uh, wind down this and transfer some material, capital. And part of that transfer was scientific knowledge. And uh, the United States got those people before the Russians could do it. Okay, they took okay. all their scientists. Wait, wait, wait. So you got me a little confused here. So the war, like so much of our reality, was a show put on for the people and wasn't done for the reasons we thought it was done. And the way I generally tell the story is uh, it's just a fantasy that Germany actually lost the war. Right. They didn't, they didn't lose. No, they just infiltrated the United States and then transferred, you know, the control there. Yeah. Pretty so much. So it's since then that's part of the point of confusion is because we just don't really know who the players are anymore because the lie has been yeah. so thick. <laughs> Basically, OSS OSS was Nazis yeah. uh, and they became the CIA and also NASA was Nazis. So that was an angle into two angles into the Pentagon right there. And that was a coup d'etat. I don't know exactly how it was brought about, but that's what happened. And uh, we became a Nazi. Uh, we could say probably that Rockefeller and Ford and people like that who funded the Nazis would have some say in how that went down. Um, whatever their reasons were, I, maybe I can't fathom, but right. they managed to pull it off. Uh, and uh, this has been a fascist country ever since. Yeah. Yeah, that basically we're living in the Fourth Reich and it's, it's the prison without walls and we're so easily manipulated because it's been working for a long time. I mean, we haven't been who we think we are. Yeah, there's that level in the government that people are not aware of. And when you get into people, scholars like Joseph Farrell, um, there is another level where it's mostly underground, the high-tech defense industry the best technology is in their custody. It's not in the custody of the military or anybody else. So we would be talking about energy um, and other things that are way beyond what we normally believe are possible. But they've had these things for quite a long time. They made great advances, even in the 1950s, in a lot of technologies that have been withheld. Mm -hmm. We, it keeps us on a leash. Our, our leash is the energy leash of oil, right. the petrodollar, uh, which is what supports the banking system as it is. And uh, it's been maintained that way for about a hundred years. Mm -hmm. 
So it is a kind of Fourth Reich, but it is a very stealth Fourth Reich. Right, because it, 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 it's all more powerful when you put yourself in the cage, when you put yourself on the lead. But that's, that's why it's so perverse, the control with uh, the COVID monster, is that they're using the best people's best impulses against them. It's like, if you yeah. care about other human beings, you will mm-hmm. muzzle yourself, you will imprison yourself, you will begin Classic to be aggression. Yeah, classic. Yeah, I um, I just kind of want to ride this whole thing out. I'm doing what I can do. I mean, I just try to put good information out there that people either want to read or they don't want to read. But okay. it's, it's a real problem because we do have kind of a general uh, ignorance of basic science today and also a general ignorance, ignorance of statistics, mm-hmm. probability. These two hand go hand in hand. Basic uh, fund of knowledge, and a basic idea of the of the possibility of things happening. Like, what's the chances that uh, these two random events happen? Like one of these Austin Steinbart uh, proofs, for example. Right. You know, astronomical uh, improbability, and yet a lot of people can't grasp it. So when you have all this this nonsensical propaganda about masks and viruses and stuff and you have a complete deficit of of basic knowledge about biology about physics and uh, so forth then you don't know who to believe and you're just defaulting to authority and then you just choose what your authority is and this is like the opposite of science it's the opposite of the scientific method it's no different than just letting the Vatican dictate us what is real. Right. But at the same time, like science, I believe science is what people will say when they follow the program. All the words. It's classic yeah. 1984, the doublespeak. I mean, ignorance. Yeah, because you can invoke science without even understanding what it means. Uh, it's totally, it's just like conspiracies. Uh, you know, you can invoke that to discredit somebody, even if you don't really know that's conspiracies are in courtrooms every day prosecution for crimes that are conspiracies yeah uh, it's just a complete verbal lever to push people's minds in a certain direction yeah okay so we've done a great job of illuminating all the stuff that we're unhappy about <laughs> and there's plenty of it right now so i'd, I'd like to steer back around at the end toward just an attitude of hopefulness and what can we actually do you know, because there, I mean, it's a very well crafted trap that we are inside of. And it's always been yes. a trap. And that means two things to me. One is that all the, the, the more you struggle against the bonds, the tighter they get. So it's this superpower, this yin superpower I talk about of allowing something better to happen through all this. And I mean, it comes back to faith. Mm-hmm. There's something happening yes. here that wants to happen and it's going to happen and it's good. This is an important level for people to get to. But that is the reason I'm very optimistic about what's, what's going on right now. I mean, I have to tell people as a preface all the time that I spent decades of my life anticipating the worst, the apocalyptic, you know, the biblical, the all that sort of thing. Um, and I had to actually cut my way out of all that 
I had to really slice through all this and really make sense out of it and sort it out. So when you get to the level of where you recognize that we're in this system that is a trap, it's very easy to be overwhelmed by that and not be able to see that there's something bigger going on. I liken what is happening in that uh, the next layer of the onion is that, yes, there is this crafted, this crafty trap. But actually, once you get to know it, it's, it's quite simplistic and not very imaginative. And it's been used over and over again. So you can recognize the techniques and the, the ste steps and stages. Above that, which I didn't see before two or three years ago, above that, I, maybe I had a nebulous faith that it was all going to work out somehow, you know, maybe some guidance by archangels or I don't know, you know, God. And, you know, I left it at that because I didn't see anything tangible that I could actually show people. Now I can show people that there is a game going on above it that is a brilliant chess game the trap that we are so um, worried about is being outclassed, outclassed so badly that they don't have a chance of continuing this trap anymore. I believe we will see it unraveling. Almost everybody is going to understand that the change we have feared is the best thing that could have possibly happened. And it is happening. I am sure that it is happening. I don't question the motives of the people who are doing the planning on it. I've certainly entertained possible questions about all that. And um, when I look some of these people that are involved in the eye, I, you know, I'm no fool. I don't detect uh, the insincerity that we're used to seeing mm -hmm. uh, from politicians, for example. Right. Um, honestly, that's one of the things that confuses people. I mean, you specifically talked about Austin Steinbart, which if you don't know who that is, go find out. What, what people don't know how to categorize is that he's not manipulating. It's like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? It's like, I'm giving you facts. <laughs> he is trolling the media and the, the criminal class in a very subtle way, sometimes very bluntly to the media, but he is not trying to deceive anybody. He's trying to um, show people certain things who have not seen certain things yet. In, a, in about a gentle way as you can do. It's like one of those movies where somebody throughout the movie is gradually being uh, guided by people only so that it can be explained near the end that they're dead. You know, <laughs> so you right. don't realize that you're dead and someone has to gently put it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, something in like a way, that, yeah. we are going to have to suffer the death of certain beliefs and reality, you know, systems. Uh, I don't call, I don't mean that they're really real, but, you know, fake realities. We're going to have to accept the death of those illusions. Right, right. That's why it feels like a crisis. I think that's, that's a really excellent point, excellent point. And that's what I see in my, you know, most utopian view of the, these highly vilified figures is this sincere attempt to parent. It's like if everything's a psyop, then some of them are for your own good, like your parents telling you to eat your vegetables and clean your room that the agenda that I see like at the top of the list is try to teach people how to think again. 
and uh, this great use of Socratic method. And it's like, did you think about this? And one of the reasons people don't know what to make of, of Austin is that he's not stepping in as I am the one. He's stepping in saying, when are you gonna do something? Yeah, I love his technique. Um, he really is taking the right approach, in my opinion, to win people over that have been told to hate him or ridicule him. Everybody really needs to emulate that kind of way of dealing with people. I mean, you do have to have a parent-like attitude towards people who don't understand what you're talking about and, uh, and uh, who have really believed too many things that they were told. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be gentle with them and ridiculing them, belittling them is not gonna help. Nice. That's a super important thing. I mean, I've been combative all my life. I'm an Aries, you know, <laughs> so I've had to learn to be gentle with people and learn to be patient with people. And we all got to do it because that's the only way we're going to be able to sort out uh, what is left of our shattered illusions. So one way or another, I'm looking for that big C community that emerges and letting go of trying to think I know what to expect because so far everything's come out different than anybody thought. <laughs> I think that's the one thing we can count on is it's a, well, well, what is it? There's a formula for how you write a story. And you know, so we're inside of a story, a story within a story within a story, right? And the, the ending, when you set out to write a story on purpose, you need to know how it's gonna end because that's how you make everything magically work toward that conclusion point. And then the ending is surprising, yet inevitable. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what makes it perfect, is I never saw that coming, but now I can see how it was always what was coming. Right, yeah, it's so true. I always, one of the things I tell people when they ask about prophecy, which is something I was into for a while, long ago, and I learned a lot about it, the whole point, about prophecy is that you cannot use it to predict anything. All you can do is recognize it in retrospect that it's been fulfilled. And it was a warning. And yet, see, it's a warning because you cannot use it to predict something that is supposed to not happen. <laughs> that. We're supposed to not let that happen. We're supposed to take the warning and not let that happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, we learned about that from the Greeks, how you you always bring your tragedy upon you when you when you try to keep it back. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then my solution is to consciously reach toward that beautiful future. And the new physics mm -hmm. tells us that that is absolutely the common sense. New, the new common sense, because that the very literally, we are creating an energetic bridge through our attention as we give attention to this surprising yet inevitable happy ending. I like to call it the flash mob at the end of time, that <laughs> we, are, we are building the ground beneath our feet as we walk toward it. And you don't have to be able to understand it. You just got to let it be. Yeah. It's impossible to understand if you try to take it too literally. Um, if you look at it as a more you know, from a more meta perspective, mm -hmm. then you don't need to worry about what's generating the path in front of you or how it's how it's possible. You just don't bring physics into it because mind is in it somehow, and we don't understand what mind is. But mind makes things happen. Yeah. 
the mind. Yeah, and that's that merging point. I guess that's why people are starting to just, it's like the, the radical embracing of the AI fear that there is this intelligence. It's like, okay, yeah, there is this big intelligence. And as long as it's operating, we might as well let it operate on our behalf. Yeah, I mean, if we want to worry about superior intelligence, uh, first of all, we got super intelligent people on Earth that, that are very good at uh, outsmarting most of us. And uh, you have to be fairly smart to even acknowledge that there are people that are smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned that from playing chess. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know a good, good chess game is going on if you don't know anything about chess. So we can, you know, we can be worried about those people. I don't necessarily think all the billionaires are really super intelligent, right. but there may be people who would still have as much power as billionaires. We can worry about those people first. Um, maybe then we could worry about uh, extraterrestrials here who are smarter than us and what are they here for and what do they want. Mm-hmm. Before, before we need to worry about uh, an AI system, we could look at organizations, governmental organizations as an AI. We can look at corporations as an AI. Right. Uh, we can actually think of aliens as an AI. If it's true that they're a hive, that right. they're a collective, yeah. then you're dealing with an AI and that is not human, doesn't think like you, doesn't value what you value. So, you know, we better get good at this. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great definition and the perfect segue too, because I, I really do feel like that's what we're being pushed into, this Gaia mind. It is the next level of mind technology. It's the next level of intelligence. It is a life form in and of itself. This collective thing that happens when we allow ourselves to be connected instead of separated by outrage and silly old ideas. It's like it turns out that all life on this bubble earth is itself a life form. And that's what I call Gaia. I mean, and that's all life, all the plants, all the animals, all the us, all the ancestors, all the aliens, all the everything. We're all in it together. I seriously entertain the idea that the sun and all stars are uh, giant electromagnetic intelligences caring for the children, forming, uh, creating and caring for nurturing. I I can think of ways to explain that possibility, but at the moment, um, if we focus on what we can do instead of trying to just throw all all, all hope or all despair into the unknown mm-hmm. and take it one day at a time, breathe deeply, uh, just look at things at the moment. I love this advice by Eckhart Tolle, you know, just look at the moment right now. What's so bad about the moment right now when you feel like you're going to panic about what this chaos, you know, what's wrong with right now? Nothing. Nothing's happening to me right now. And um, I think that's a good way for people to kind of like reduce their anxiety, which improves their ability to perceive what's going on around them. And it improves their ability to plan for their, for their own good. And um, let all this nonsense pass. This too shall pass. Yeah. As they say, you know, COVID will be over by, uh, COVID will be over no- November 5th. Uh, I'm quite sure that's true. We'll find out if I'm right. (laughs) It'll be something else. You know, we we probably will get an alien scare of some kind. Um, It'll just be something that the media puts out there. The show's not going to be complete without the little green men. It's just they're, you know, they're they're in the program. You know, they're showing up sooner or later. 
I mean, the virus didn't do it. Ebola didn't do it. Uh, you know, the bubonic plague didn't do it. So maybe we should roll out the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that might be about as far as we can go for this week. Thank you so much for hashing over the coals with me. So thank you for coming along with me on this journey into the mystic backstage at the human experience and into your space-time continuum wherever and whenever you are hearing the sound of this tone. I celebrate the perfection that is operating, has always been operating, that opens up before our eyes and receive on behalf of everyone within the sound of these frequencies, the ability to know that goodness is and goodness is flowing. Amen to that. See you next time.